skate. Listening to CITR Radio FM 102, Cable 88.5, and Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show on CITR FM 102, Cable 88.5, and Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You just heard right there the straps with Just Can't Take It Anymore. And these guys have crossed paths with me many times. I've been meaning to play it on CITR. The straps evolved out of the pack, the pack from England. And the pack from England evolved out of the Furies from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And Public Image Limited evolved out of one member from the Furies, Jim Walker from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And the pack from England is not related to the pack AD from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, nor is it related to the pack from Germany. But these guys' straps are related to the pack from Vancouver, B.C., 1977. Well, not really. They moved from Vancouver to England, and they became the pack, and then they turned into the straps, and then they also link up to Theatre of Hate. But anyways, that, believe it or not, is some Canadian content indirectly. The straps from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. I got this 7-inch at Zulu Records. I guess it's some dead stock that's hanging around Zulu. So I urge you to head down there and pick it up. It was almost like a killed-by-death obscurity. This was the straps with Just Can't Take It anymore backed with New Age. New Age is not a cover of DOA, although a member of the Straps probably participated in some DOA splinter bands. Anyways, the Straps, the pack, theater of hate, all intertwined on the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show. Today on the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with M.I. 
A. And also an interview with Josh from Queens of the Stone Age. A brand new interview with Josh from Queens of the Stone Age. And this thing was just sent to me by Animal Nation. And this thing being a CD, you can hear it right there. I'm banging it. Well, not only am I banging it, I'm putting it in the CD player. And we're going to hear by Animal Nation, brand new by Animal Nation, Bacon and Eggs. And this is on HerbNet. So here's Animal Nation at Every Day in the Life is the name of the CD with bacon and eggs. And then an interview with MIA and then Josh from Queens of the Stone Age on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. In Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And here we go with Animal Nation. Crispy, 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 a T-bone steak, cheese, eggs, and Put it in the chili, then cook it. What the pigs, what the pigs. What's the value in my pot? Nothing on my mind but the bacon and eggs. With the glaze in my eye when we crave every day. Yeah. Pork meat. Extra cheese. Now I'm late as it is, but I already got my pan grease stuffed and my bacon out the fridge. Set the elements of mid. Wait about a minute. Let the skillet heat up so I can put my bacon in now. I got a separate dish for my eggs just in case they break. The way my bacon is sizzles and occasionally sprays And I'd hate to get these eggies all up in my face Cause there ain't no way that I can save the day If I don't get my daily dose of bacon and eggs I'm saying that's just the way it was raised Gotta collect my protein so I can play A patient waiting my medicine is bacon and eggs The statement remains the same That it ain't no way that I can save the day If I don't get my daily dose of bacon and eggs I wish vegetarians love bacon and eggs My vegetarian girlfriend thinks that I'm strong she complains and states that I'm setting my weight It's like, baby, baby, it's you that needs to change Just playing, just playing. But I do love my bacon You wake up in the morning, man, and bacon smells the great As a kid, if you cook it, I'd get real excited And I'd bust into this funky-ass chorus like I like my bacon and eggs You like your bacon and eggs You like your eggs all scrambled and your piggy and slices I like my bacon and eggs You like your bacon and eggs You like them sunny side up on a plate of rice I like my bacon and eggs You like your bacon and eggs No, I'll eat my bacon with a fork and knife Hold the grease in the grease jar, not down the drain. Man, are you insane? Where's your bacon and brain? I like my bacon and egg. I like my bacon and egg. I like my bacon and egg. You like your bacon and egg? Yeah, put your hands up. You like bacon and egg. Now it's time to bust out my soul. What soul?
bacon and eggs. Bacon and eggs. I like your bacon and eggs. Bacon and eggs. Put a little sauce on there. I think they're done. Who are you? <laughs> Whatever you want me to be. You are MIA. That's right, but I'm here now. Maya, have you brought along your Bahamas t-shirt? No. My friends were like, get rid of it, get something new, you know. But I was trying to get a point across, which what is, is... Yeah, what is the deal on the Bahamas t-shirt? Because MIA... are you? <laughs> Whatever you want me to be. You are MIA. That's right, but I'm here now. Maya, have you brought along your Bahamas t-shirt? No. My friends were like, get rid of it, get something new, you know. But I was trying to get a point across, which what is... is uh, yeah, what is the deal on the Bahamas t-shirt? Because MIA is usually in a Bahamas t-shirt, right? Always on tour? You read that somewhere, didn't you? Yes, you always bring it along with you. <laughs> yeah, I had to leave it behind because it, like, shredded. I had it surgically removed, and, uh, yeah, it shredded into little pieces. So I turned it into hairbands, and then it, it disappeared. So, M.I., here you are in North America, and I understand you had a stinging performance at Coachella. Yeah, it was, it was, it was intense. Like, literally stinging. Weren't there bees that came into the tent? What do you mean by that? I heard that there were actual bees that came into the tent, or where you were performing at Coachella, and people ran out. Like, there actually were bees that came in there. No. No? You're talking about my cell phone? Yes, you. <laughs> I've got a cell phone with a bee ring that gets buzzed. Like that. Oh. Yeah, maybe that's what was ringing and people thought it was bees. It does that all the time. Yesterday I was at Napster and people started running out of the building because my phone was ringing. <laughs> it's like... So you frightened people at Coachella. They ran away from you because of the bee noise. <laughs> they all ran into the tent where I was there, you know. But otherwise it went just great, didn't it? Yes. Well, actually, apparently they ran out of the tent. That was the report. No, the tent where I left my phone was my backstage tent, the VIP tent. But oh. who wants to be there anyways? You know, get them all out. Maya, growing up, how many scabs did you have? A lot. Like, where were they and why did they happen? And are there any scars left? Obviously, that's what I'm trying to get out of my music, you know? Every single scar is described in every single song. And Maya, is it true that you listened to Boney M straight for five years? Yeah, of course. What do you do when you're poor? Shit, no one's checking for you. No one's building any HMVs and Virgin megastores and villages that I came from, you know what I mean? You just have to bootleg, but with cassettes. We don't have the internet and stuff. What particular Boney M song did you really enjoy? I love Ra Ra Rasputin. Uh, one Way Ticket. Not Ra Ra Rasputin? Mm -mm. Do you know Ra Ra Rasputin? Mm -mm. You don't know that one by Boney M? No, I only had one tape. I told but you. But you think that would at least be on there. You know, Ra Ra Rasputin, Russia's greatest love machine. No, it was like a brown girl in the wing. Da la 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 la. That one. Um, well, I guess I was wondering because, you know, you're kind of Commonwealth. Sri Lanka is Commonwealth and Canada is Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to other people about Boney M, and they don't know about Ra Ra Rasputin either. I guess maybe Ra Ra Rasputin basically was just a Canadian hit. Maybe. 
maybe. Yeah, I think in Europe it went down differently, you know. But in Sri Lanka, definitely, it was it was more like a, a, a bye bye baby, <laughs> uh, one way ticket. I remember, and yeah, it's really hard for me to remember now. There's Even though you had it drilled into your brain for five years. Yeah, of course. But this is what somebody looks like that's had Boney M for five years, right? Well, look, I was zero to five. Do you know what I mean? You're putting a lot of pressure on a five-year-old. Well, formative years. You take Boney M, you know what I mean? Maya, if people are wondering about Sri Lankan music and Western influence, Duran Duran, didn't they shoot Hungry Like the Wolf in Sri Lanka? They did. That's Sri Lanka's claim to fame in popular culture. That's the big thing, the Duran Duran? Yeah. Do you know where that was shot? Thanks, Thanks for that. <laughs> Thanks for giving us, like, some credit on, on one video in pop music. But you're returning the favor, though. Yeah, of course, you know, I'm here. No, I meant, like, for your videos that you've shot. Didn't you shoot a video in Sri Lanka, too? No, I'm trying to do it in England to return the favor. So it's only been Duran Duran so far. Nobody else? No, no. I haven't shot one in Sri Lanka. I'd get shot if I went to shoot a video there. So, you know, there's no such thing as a production company you can employ to do something. So. MIA, when you moved to England, is it true that you... And there's a lot of is it trues with MIA. Is it true that you only knew a few words and one of them was Michael Jackson? Yeah. What were the five words that you knew in English when you moved to England? Well, it was Michael Jackson, dancing, apple, because there's no word in Tamil for apple, so you had to learn it. And then I knew... Mango? Yeah, mango. So you had these five words all set up, ready to go, but your mom had a bit harder time, didn't she? She didn't have five words, did she? Well, yeah, she didn't think it was important. But you teach her a new word every year. Is it true that your mom le learns a new word every year? I taught her banana. That's why I wrote it. And in last year she learned lesbian? <laughs> God, you've been reading so much stuff. Yeah, it's true. One, well, no, this year it's been underworld, which is kind of underground, but she got it wrong. So she's like, oh, Maya, I heard you are underworld. What is that? And then uh, I had to explain it was underground music, you know, and how it was all right. It didn't have any connection to the mafioso. Yeah. How about yourself there, Maya? How have you been doing? Have you been able to comb your hair recently? No, can't you tell? No, it looks really good. It's, 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 it's the only way I can rebel against all the... Uh, all the uh, American good teeth, good hair thing. But know? wasn't there a period that you went through where you didn't comb your hair for like months because you were serious? You were working on a record and there was no combing. And now that was brushing my teeth. I thought there was no combing. No. Not like, brushing your teeth, that's I, stupid. I haven't combed my hair for years. Like, it's not even like months. Like, even music is, is, is just... Not my hair thing is like... It is what it is, you know, it does what it does. And Maya, people criticize you for your hair? Uh, yeah, some people do. Some your bad perm, your mom disowned you for your perm? Where did you get that from? That's not true. I heard that your mom disowned you because you had a bad perm and everybody made fun of you, your perm. Like your mom won't even talk to you. No, that's my clothes. 
my perm. I didn't really have a perm. This is just, it's just unruly hair. Well, Emma, you're a great dancer, but I understand you were forced to dance by your relatives. Like you were forced into dancing. Is that true? You know, people had to get their entertainment somehow in Sri Lanka. We didn't have a telly, we didn't have a video. We had one tape, the Boney M tape. And your use for that tape, it has to kind of progress, you know? You have to add new things to the mix. So, yeah, we had a tape, and we found a tape recorder to play it on. Then add the kid, and then make it dance. And then that was entertainment. For and you were the entertainment? Of course. So you'd be sleeping? and woken up in the middle of the night to dance for the uncles. Cold water, get your ass up! It was like that. Then they used to just make me dance for about four hours straight. I was, you know, crying, tears running down, but entertainment. But it totally paid off in the long run. Like, you were the best dancer. I love it. It is awesome. Good. I'm glad. And you've also employed your relatives as well. Because you ventured to California to your cousin's ranch, didn't you? What? How do you know that? Your cousins that lived in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I left Sri Lanka and settled in England. They left Sri Lanka and settled in, settled in California. But, yeah, it's an interesting uh, difference between growing up in England and my cousins growing up in California. But And you moved to England. They all think they're Mexicans. It's really funny. Well, that's what I thought was really interesting. They're living in North America, and you go to visit them, and then you bump into Dr. Dre and Eddie Murphy? Like, you partied with Dr. Dre and Eddie Murphy pre-kind of MIA fame, right? Well, I think when you go to hang out, and you're like an 18-year-old in California, you meet a lot of people, you know, and uh, it's not really Eddie Murphy, but, yeah, I met Snoop and Dre and them. It's nice to come back and be able to work with people. Yeah, it's kind of well, because now you've signed to Interscope, which is like home of Snoop and Dre. I know. Do you think you're going to be able to work with them at all? Maybe. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the, the interesting lesson for me, you know what I mean? Like, you can, you can actually um, determine how, how uh, you know, when I, when I was going out to all the clubs and when you're like getting invited to all these places it didn't really count for me because I was like it's not really I mean partying is partying I love it and I make party music now but it'd be nice to enter a room and be counted as an equal and you know be be a woman who didn't have to compromise and you know sell yourself on on, on your sexuality and things like that so to me, like, it would be amazing to work with Dr. Dre and stuff, you know, to, to come back, like, eight years later and be counted. It's good. How would they remember you, MIA, from the old days, from your time in California? How would Snoop and Dre remember you? They won't. That's, that's what's good about it. I think it's awesome. Like, you're such a go-getter, MIA. Not really a go-getter. Yeah, you are. Like, you don't even mean to hook up with Snoop and Dr. Dre, and then you end up hooking up with... I'm hooking up with someone else, but I'm not going to tell anyone yet. But, you know, I think it's, it's, um, it's really good to get opportunities, man, from, I think, when you, when you come across to America and you're, you're from, obviously from a different culture and a different part of the world and da 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 it's, it's nice to have 
the same opportunities as you know the 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 musicians from America. It's nice. We have to have drive, and you MIA have drive. When your mom was doing knitting for Prince Charles, you were trying to slip notes to Prince Charles. She made medals. Yeah, she wasn't knitting. It's not. It's not cool. But still, Prince Charles' jacket is at your house, and you're slipping notes into Prince Charles's jacket to get to Prince Charles. That's awesome. Why not? You know, he's there, really bored at the royal convention. He puts his hand in the pocket. He gets a note out, and it's direct communication. You know, it was like one degree of separation between me, my mum. And Prince Charles is like, of course you have to try, like what that means, you know. He, I could have written anything as like, you know, a joke, trying to, you know, send a send a note to the 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 uh, Prince of Oman or something like that. It was just fun. And you seized on the opportunity. For instance, many people know this song, Common People. She studied sculpture at Saint Martian's College. At St. Martian's College. You wanted to go there, and by God, you... Went. Yeah, you just kept going and going and going, and eventually they let you in. Yeah, yeah, I emotionally blackmailed them. Yeah, in the same way, can he put the secret notes to Prince Charles? You blackmailed them into taking you. Not really. It's just like, what is the point of having an art institution that was about, you know, breaking down conventions and... Uh, stereotypes and questioning the world and turning it upside down when every goddamn student applied and followed the rules that were set out you know by the institute to get in like what is the point of course someone has to do it the other way around and come in through the side door the back door and every goddamn door that's how you're going to churn out artists who actually are relevant who are going to change things you know, that's my point with the institution. It's like, yeah, okay, so you've chosen 100 people for this year on your course, but each and every one of them did apply six times and did turn up to the interviews, did have all the quali qualifications they asked for. Nobody fought that, you know. So how do you get these people to go out in the world and fight for things and change things? It doesn't make sense. I just love it. You took advantage of the situation. Prince Charles's jacket, St. Martin's College, you just go for it. And is that where you met Peaches? Was Peaches taking a course at St. Martin's? No, that's the journalist getting it all wrong all the time. Because I want to think that Peaches was taking a course at St. Martin's. I want to think that. I think she's too cool for that. Because knowledge is cool, isn't it? Yeah, but I think Peaches had her time. And besides, she's a little bit older than me. I don't know. I think I think Peaches uh, was in a band, an indie band, for a long time and stuff. But yeah, it's funny. It's funny how journalists always assume that Peaches ended at St Martin's when. I want to think that. I want to think that. I don't think she's ever been in England. You know? Peaches? Oh, she's done quite a few tours of England. Yeah, I know. But tours once she became a musician, but. When she was a musician, she wouldn't be studying at St. Martin's. I think she started out as like a high school teacher, so she does have some sort of university background, I'm pretty sure of it. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm sure, but I'm sure it's Canadian education. MIA, how tough is South London? How tough is South London? A friend of mine was there, and they saw all these like yellow signs on the streets, and it was really scary, all the stuff that was on these yellow signs. What do you mean? 
Like the scary things on the signs, like that you'd never see in North America. Like it's a pretty tough place, South London, isn't it? I'm trying to picture what you mean. Yellow signs. Are you talking about murder, murder signs? Well, it depends. You know, I think South London's divided into lots of different communities and different color-coded communities. Like you said, you find yellow signs intimidating, but that's just what it is. It's everywhere, all over the world. But well, not really here, because like here, you're like walking your dog, and it says something like garage sale. You're like, yeah. But in England, I guess my friend was there and saw all those signs that had like murder and stuff, and it scared her slightly. She survived though. That's good. That's not the stuff that scares me. What scares you, MIA? Just uh, mm, people not being given opportunities, uh, not uh, being able to break through the invisible sly wall that I think holds a lot of people down, and uh, lack of uh, change, you know, and a lot of people's inability to change. I think that scares me a lot more. MIA, some people are afraid of Sri Lankan politics, aren't they? Yeah, they are. But then you have an easy solution for that. Color pink. How does the color pink make everything just fine? You tell me, you know. That's what I had to do to communicate. And here I am. So you tell me how color pink works for you, you know. I'm not sure, but the color pink hooked Jude Law in. How did that all work there? Could you explain a bit about the color pink and MIA, Maya? Um, I think what they were trying to tell you is uh, if you, if you uh, make your work more palatable by uh, dressing it up in language that, you know, contemporary language that the youth are used to, everything becomes more easy to digest, you know. I think uh, we're so addicted and uh, led by the media, the fashion, the, you know, the bling and just nobody really wants to deal with anything serious. So you have to find ways to bring in serious issues into the disposable popular culture and you know you kind of have to play at their game using their tools and that's kind of what I think I was trying to do and it was a really interesting lesson for me to learn because it's got me this far. And specifically at a whole bunch of cool images from Sri Lanka and nobody really wanted anything to do with them and you added some pink and sold them all. Well I don't think it was like a real cool bunch of images it was it was stories and issues that were really relevant to me and um, I think it was relevant to a lot of people at the time but nobody really wanted to deal with it so yeah you have to find ways around stuff otherwise there's no point I love info MIA I love info good and you do too don't you I do like when you listen to a song it's fun to learn something from the song isn't it it is, don't you think? Yeah, totally. And one of the artists you've been digging lately is I Wayne, isn't it? Yeah. And he's kind of unique, isn't he? He is. Because he's talking kind of in a dance hall thing, but he's also throwing like messages of like AIDS and stuff like that in there, which is kind of like a big slap for maybe people aren't expecting that, aren't they? Is that kind of what you're doing? No, really. I think I Wayne comes from a real, 
you know, he's got a philosophy that comes from the whole Rastafari tradition. I don't really have that, you know. So what I Wayne's doing is is directly in connection to whatever the teachings of the Rastafari culture, but I think it's just interesting that he's he's just really modern with it. You know, he, he can communicate to someone like me with what he's doing, which is really great. You know, sometimes reggae, it becomes so much about, you know, what, what the teachings are that, you know, you really have to be within it to understand it. But I Wayne kind of transcends that, which is good. MIA, how much do you want to break through? MIA, music for nursing homes. Well, when you get told that being cool is saying, you know, fuck you to radio and fuck you to television, which is kind of good if you're a white middle-class rock band. And I think, I think being cool is so determined by them that someone like me coming up, to me, to me being cool is the opposite, which is, no, I want to be on, you know, GLR or BBC Radio 2, you know what I mean? Because that's something, that's territory that I'll never make it into. How about the stuff you tackle in your mixtapes here? Just winding up, you rap over some two live crew. Yeah, I do that in my live set too. What do you think about two live crew? I think their beats are really good, obviously. I like the uh, peaches. I recognize a lot of her beats and two live crew influences and stuff. I think beat-wise and Miami bass-wise, they, they, they contributed a lot. MIA, what about the MC505? Who else is using that these days in the rap world? Not too many people, right? Mm, no. I thought everyone would be using it, but I haven't heard about it yet. Everyone, nobody wants to mess with the little groove box, you know, and people are like, and then I'm getting the super sick studio with the, the, but we'll see. But then Jimmy Iovine from Interscope, he heard your beats and said, they're worth millions. Well, he was just impressed how you can make a little go a long way. This from the MC505, like none of these other guys even try it, do they? Well... Yeah, you should know. Aren't you, haven't you got your ears open listening to who's using this kind of stuff? I don't really know of anybody else that's using it. Maybe Peaches has used a bit of it. But I don't think really too many people have in the contemporary like, rap world out there at MC505. When I met Peaches, she told me she got given hers free by the people at Roland. And then they gave it to like 20 different artists, including the Beastie Boys and Air and people like that. And nobody really bothered with it. I think a lot of people just leave it in the corner of their studio collecting dust. If there's any around, please send it to me. Mine's broken. MIA, just winding up here lastly, do you remember the artist known as Sir Mixa? Lot. Sir Mixa Lot. Yeah, what about him? Well, of course he has his big hit, Baby Got... Baby Got what? Back. Yeah, why are we talking about Sir Mix-a-Lot? Because there's a connection between Sir Mix-a-Lot and M.I.A. What is it? Well, he also has a song called Beepers. Oh, okay. And you know where I'm going with this? Because you have a song all about text messaging. So what I was wondering is, when you listen back to Sir Mix-a-Lot, you hear him going, Beepers, Beepers. Do you ever worry about any of your songs becoming dated, you know, text messaging in a 
10 years from now might be totally out of date. Is that really what it's about? I mean, I don't know how artists can strive to... But I mean, this thing is kind of neat, though, looking at Sir Mix-a-Lot. You know, he's got the song, Beepers, you know, Beepers. You know, having a beeper, that was where it's at, you know what I mean? So now text messaging, even though maybe that's not specifically what the song is about, but still, you know what I mean, mentioning that technology, I think is kind of cool. I think it's probably, well, if, you, if you're going to talk about it in that sense, Beepers never really made it across to England. We have no relevance for pages and Beepers whatsoever, so that song wasn't really a big hit. That's... You know what I mean? Which makes me so sad. But text messaging, however, you know, I think in the time when Americans were having beepers, British, like, five-year-olds were running around with cell phones texting each other. So for me, it's more relevant in Britain talking about text messaging. But, yeah, I don't really, I don't really write songs to stick around in ten years' time. You know, I'm kind of more about now and being in the time and what's going on right now. What was it like meeting Jay-Z? Uh, well, I went into Def Jam, but I'm with Interscope now. But, I mean, what was it like meeting him? Like, did you have any questions for him or anything? Like, of course, you slipped the notes of Prince Charles' jacket. Did you try to get any messages through to Jay-Z at all? I actually, no. I, I walked out of Def Jam because I didn't understand why I was there. So, yeah. You didn't even get a chance to meet him or anything? Like, you didn't say any words to him? No, I met L.A. Reid. Yeah. The guy behind Avril Lavigne. Is he? I think so. Yeah. I was too I was too scruffy to be in there, that's how I felt. I was like, hmm. But yeah. And what did LA Reed do? He met me, we talked, you know. Uh, it's just of course you're gonna meet people, that's what happens, but yeah, I think I think everybody was really confused because it's such a new sound and what was going on and they kind of phoned me up so many times I was like okay I'll come down and meet people but I couldn't really figure out I mean this is before I signed with Interscope and met any of them and really knew what was going on so it was like my first trip to to New York and yeah it was kind of it was interesting it's interesting that the hip-hop world's that open-minded that you know they're willing to take risks and talk to me and yeah that's kind of cool work with me well am i anything else you want to add to the people out there at all uh i don't really know what to say right now it's kind of i mean in canada they're just already too cool there's nothing i need to say to them why should people care about mia because it's the truth well thanks so much mia Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. Thanks.
and you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 88.5, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, M-I-A with Small Man in a Big World. That's M-I-A. And before that, an interview with M-I-A. Now, the M-I-A I played just now, musically, was from 1984, and that was on Alternative Tentacles Records. No relation to the M-I-A earlier that the interview was with, but they still share... Actually, I don't think there's any dots. Well, no, there are dots. M-I-A on Alternative Tentacle Records with Small Man in a Big World, and before that, as I mentioned, interview with M-I-A. Coming up, an interview with Josh from Queens of the Stone Age. But before that, here's a release that I got from Zulu Records. Will, who works at Zulu Records, gave me the 7-inch, the same place that I got the Strap 7-inch that I began an Ardward Human Serviette radio show with. This is his band, Weed. We're going to hear 80... By Weed, thank you, Will, for the 7-inch. And then some Charo on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show.
are you? I'm Joshua. From? Uh, well, it depends on who you ask, really, yeah. Queens of the Stone Age. Yes, Queens of the Stone Age, amongst other things, yeah. Hello, Josh. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. It feels so good. Thank you for welping. All right, come on through. Could you please explain what's going on here, Josh? Oh, sorry. Hi. I'd say hi to my buddy. Uh, um, we're in the bathroom. What seems like, again, we're in the bathroom. We are here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Josh, and I've spoken to you before four times. This is the fourth time I've talked to you. I know. It feels good, right? Well, I learned something. Yes. Every time I talked to you, last time I talked to you, you told me about taint. I knew nothing about taint. <laughs> well, ta- you know, taint is really a discovery region, I think, for many people. And uh, did it feel good to find it? Well, I knew nothing about taint, and so in these past couple years, I have discovered the taint. Well, it's not a big area, but it's worth discovering and planting your own flag in. And Apparently, you'd been discovering taint for quite a long time, because you said you'd been into the taint for many years. Well, I've been on to the taint, I think, for many years, and, uh, you know, but I, I taint been misbehaving lately. Josh, one other thing I mentioned to you over the years was the Moving Sidewalks. Do you remember the band The Moving Sidewalks, Billy Gibbons? Yeah, the, the original ZZ Top, or pre-ZZ Top, you would say, yeah. And you told me that they got their name because... Of the 13th floor elevators. They were looking for some kind of, you know public transit, like, you know, name that would coincide with uh, 13th floor elevators, yeah. And in that style, I want to give you a gift, Josh. Here, I have something for you to thank me for telling me that. If it's a taint, I'm going to be really excited. Oh, my God, that is so cool, man. Could you explain to people, what is that, Josh? That's Rocky Erickson in a tuxedo bobblehead doll. That is a true, that's, a, that's the gift of a true friend. Thank you, sir. Here, shake my hand. Oh, sure. No problem. That's a throbble head. Yeah, a, thro- a throbble head. That's what they call them, a throbble heads. Have you had any dealings with Rocky at all? Um, you know what? I actually have a really cool story. I went to a thing uh, where he was playing an old church in the daytime where they were selling books to children. And he, took a, he played, and then he did a question and answer, but it was only from children. And it was really amazing. He had, I can't even quite paraphrase his answers, but they were all, you know, little kids answer, uh, asking questions about drummers, which he isn't. So it was a really amazing moment. Well, thank you, Josh, again, for telling about the moving sidewalks, 13th floor elevators connection. I never knew that. Yeah, it's a, ni- it's, it's a nice thing to know. I thought, you know, you've taught me so much, I thought maybe I could help with something. And this is what you get when you help Nardwar. You get an awesome gift. Well, it doesn't stop there, Josh. I want to thank you again, because when I was backstage at your gig at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre in Vancouver, do you remember that, the Queen Elizabeth Theatre? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to do shots with you and Chai Pig from SNFU. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good night, too, yeah. Well, you know, backstage we do, uh, we do a lot of um, new age type of stuff. And then to offset that, we do a lot of shots. But I thought that was cool. Like Chai Pig from SNFU. Do a lot of punkers come backstage at Queens of the Stone Age? Chai Pig. Remember Chai? Yeah, that was great. Well, you know, and I think especially because of Hutch, you know, uh, and the connection there, I've gotten to meet a lot of really cool people, you know, through Hutch. You know, he's such a classic uh, old school sort of a guy, you know. I mean, Quick background on Hutch, DOA's Salman. If they didn't watch our other interviews that we've done. Yeah, well, I mean, but the, what I love about that is that DOA won a battle of the bands and they won a PA. And I think Shithead turned to Hutch and said, Hutch, you're Soundman now. And then that's how it all started for him, you know. Now, I was talking to you about Hutch and Chai Pig at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. Yes. And I have 
another gift for you from a person that you really love playing at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. Oh, yeah, Johnny Cash, June Carter, this is amazing. Oh, they played the Queen Elizabeth too, huh? This is the exact stage that you played on. This is from Vancouver. That's what makes me proud to be a musician. Does that happen a lot, you playing on the same stage as Johnny Cash? Has this happened a lot? No, well, it hasn't happened enough, frankly. You know, I mean, I would just, you know, you walk in the footsteps of giants and you look really small. But when you go into the legendary venues, do you feel any of that feelness? Absolutely. There's a place called Kane's Ballroom in Oklahoma City, I believe. And, you know, Hank Williams Sr., everyone's played there, and you just sort of feel it. There's, there's some venues that really give off something, yeah. Well, speaking of Johnny, you got a photo. we got to give you the Canadian issue of Johnny... Cash. Wait, get is it? Yourself to get rhythm. Get rhythm. To go get the rhythm on the Sun record label. Oh, my God, it's on Sun, too. Oh, dude. (laughs) Well, thank you, Josh. Yeah, that's really nice. You're nice. Well, you were Josh from Queens of the Stone Age, and I have a quote for you, Josh. If you want, you can put that down over there. I just want to hold him. Let me hold him. (laughs) Josh, I have a quote for you. Quote, the best band that's ever existed. The Stooges? No. Who? Who did I say? The Truck. Oh, yeah, I was really drunk, yeah. The Truck Fighter. Uh, Yeah, you know what's funny is that... I just, Who are the truck fighters first? I don't really know, honestly. <laughs> I think I, I, can't, I can't even remember what I said. It was just one of those nights, and someone said, will you say something about the truck fighters? And I was like, oh, truck fighters are fine. But, you know, that's the drawback of alcohol. Are they any good? They've been using that all over. Do you know that? I know. They've been using me like crazy. Is it any good? Uh, I haven't actually checked it out yet. Me either. I don't know. So here's, a, here's the zeroing endorsement. I, I've never heard it before, but there you go. Here you are, Josh, at the... Uh, where are we? Rogers Arena. Yeah, yeah. I knew that. And you're playing with Soundgarden. Yeah, yeah. The other night, Soundgarden played. I don't think you were playing, but Dave Grohl was spotted in the pit slamming to Soundgarden. Did you hear about that? Yeah, he, uh, he texted me uh, the next day. He said he was still drunk. I thought he was going to say he texted you from the pit. Oh, no, no. It's really hard to do, apparently. It's been many years, but I'm sure it's hard to do. Now, have you seen Dave do that? Like, go out and slam the groups? I don't know. I don't, no, I haven't. Did he really do that? Yeah, there's video and everything on the internet of him, like, right there, right there slamming the Soundgarden. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you seen any other celebs slamming when you've been doing your gig? We don't really encourage slamming. We like sort of, we're lovers, not fighters, you know? We want people to... Uh, rub up against each other, but uh, we'd prefer it to be in a more loving motion, you know? How about for the Crooked Vultures? I heard that Dave, after the gate Coachella, slept in the field? No, he didn't sleep in the field, actually. I think he gave the finger to Jay-Z. Baboom. Yeah. <laughs> I just had this great feeling, this great idea, that after the set ended, them Crooked Vultures, he just jumped in the field, and, you know, the place had emptied out, and he slept the night there. Like, what did you do when you guys finished at Coachella? Let's just, let's just go with that. Let's just say that happened. And then I woke him up in the morning. I was like, we really got to go. And he just, he had a blade of grass in his hand, and he said, no, I can't leave. Now, could have he gone back to Pink Duck Studios? Because the Pink Duck is near there, isn't it? That's your studios, right? It's a little bit further away. It's in Burbank, yeah. Yeah. Pink Duck is. Rancho is in Joshua Tree. The Rancho de la Luna. And you had the Dum Dum Girls in there recently? I did. I did. I had the Dum Dum Girls in there, yeah. So when they go in there, do you get to do anything, or do they bring in producers and stuff like that? Oh, no. They had their own peeps, and I just was the Dum Dum that had the studio. Yeah. How is it decorated, the Pink Duck, Josh? It looks a bit like an old Western brothel. Uh, 
And then it's got a big mural of the desert on the wall. What are some of the other artwork there at the Pink Duck? Uh, my, my grandma's got, I got all her paintings from when she painted. They're, they're all on one wall, too. And there's one thing that's missing, because I know you have some, some Frank Frazetta, another gift for you. <laughs> Who told you I had Frank Frazetta? You did. Oh, yeah, I, I did. That's right, yeah. I so love Frazetta. He, so here we have the hatchet. Yeah, don't you want to be there somehow? Maybe not. Will this make the wall at all? Oh, this would definitely make the wall. This will make the wall. Because when I think of Molly Hatchet, I also think of a guy called Boris Valhello. Yeah, Vallejo, yeah, Vallejo. You know that guy? Yeah, yeah definitely. He's uh, kind of the counterpart to Frank Frazetta, yeah. And I have a gift for you for the Pink Duck right here, Josh Holm, a poster that Frank Vallejo did right here. Barbarian, barbarian, barbarian. Queen. Oh, look at, and no man can possess her. No man can destroy her. Her power and beauty are legendary. She is the barbarian queen. And interestingly, barbarian queen and barbarian queen. Barbarian. It, <laughs> it, have you met some barbarian queens? Yeah, I've, I've actually been in a bar with some variants of queens before. And right there, Mr. Queens of the Stone Age, Lana Clarkson. That's Lana Clarkson. Finally, yeah, Lana Clarkson. What? Wow, wow. Remember the Phil Spector murder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, really? And that's her right there. Wow, that is so tits. And this was rated one of the sexiest movies ever. And About barbarian queens. No, just in general. Really? Really? Well, that's, that's really amazing. And so this is for the pink duck. Another gift for you there, Josh. Well, this will go on the wall, and it will not be in a bathroom. It'll be where it can be proudly displayed. Now, I'm mentioning sex, so I have to bring up Buddy Head. Travis Keller, Buddy Head fanzine. Yeah, he likes to have sex. Is that what you're... Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and also he loves the filth. He loves the rock and roll. But he's helped Queens, hasn't he, in a little way? Wires on fire, Queens, buddy head connection? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because Mikey's shoes, I guess, drawing that connection. Yeah, sure. Because every time I'm looking at posters, I'd like to ask you about this particular poster here, Josh. What do we have here? We have Queens of the Stone Age at... Oh, uh, the Crystal Ballroom, yeah, the Dillinger Escape, uh, Icarus Line. I remember this. This is, the, this is the show that we kind of met them. They were really kind of scared at that time. This was the Buddyhead crew, right? The Icarus Line? Icarus Line. How were they scared? Because uh, I think Nick came in with just sweats on and a beer and was asking him for lines or something like that. I can't remember. It was some kind of, it was some kind of thing that they're all just little tiny guys, you know? Like little pocket-sized guys, you know? I think Nick scared him a little bit. But they were Perez Hilton before Perez Hilton, weren't they? Like Buddyhead, they paved the way. Yeah, Buddyhead was great because uh, I think everyone in Hollywood sort of lived in fear, you know, because they would put up Tommy Lee's number or Fred Durst's number, you know, on, on the Internet. So they, they were just these little guys, but they, everyone lived in fear of them. It was pretty amazing. And they're still going. Travis is still rocking the Buddyhead. He's still rocking the Buddyhead, yeah. When was the last time you saw Travis? I saw Trav on tour. Um, he was with... God, he was on tour. It was recently, fairly recently, yeah. He's originally from Spokane, Washington. You ever played Spokane? No, but I've been there many times, yeah, many times. Because I used to go to uh, Twin Lakes and Lake, and Lake Coeur d'Alene and all that stuff, yeah. Another thing I'd like to ask you about here, Josh, this poster. Do you have any idea or remembrance of this gig here at all in Pittsburgh? Huh. That's a really tiny poster. How did, how did anyone know to go there? Yeah, I kind of wonder about that. Oh, with Howl and Rain and Dax Riggs. Huh. 
Yeah, I think I sort of remember that. Why? What happened? No, it was, just, it was 2007, and I was wondering if it was indicating anything with the people falling. <laughs> Why? Was there people falling that year? Well, that's what I was wondering. Was there people falling or following? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Josh, how is Jesse Devil and John Paul Jones? How's Jesse and John? Uh, Jesse and Jones. Uh, Jesse's good. He has a solo record coming out, and he's about to go on tour, and he has this cool, cool band, and... Uh, and his record's really cool. It's called Honky Kong. And there's kind of a semi-nude picture of him with an Indian headdress jumping in the air on the cover. It's a really amazing cover. And Jones is great. He's writing an opera, which is, that's really huge. Josh, are you aware of what John has done over the years? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's done uh, basically everything. And I have a gift for you. Lastly here, Josh, give my regards to... Broad Street. Starring... Paul Massey. Paul McCartney. And on bass... Jones. Jones. Yeah, indeed. Look, look at that. Hello, Ice Captain. Has John Paul Jones told you this stuff? Like, has he told you about eating shark? Has he told you all this stuff? He's he's said a lot of stuff. You know, when, uh, when the Supremes came over... He was in charge of organizing their band. I mean, he's, you know, played on all the Donovan records, like Hurdy Gurdy and all that stuff. And, I mean, the list goes on and on. If you go through his discography, you're going to be up reading for a while. Did he tell you anything about Paul McCartney at all, though? No, no. uh, I mean... Anything pertaining to this? In- no, in general, this is about Paul McCartney. Any Beatles stories? I guess I was just wondering because you know, backstage, people getting people to autograph stuff. You know, has he thrown out any Beatles stuff at all that you've just been floored by? Well, no, not really any Beatles stuff. I've heard a lot of Zeppelin stuff, you know. But uh, you know, everyone's just exchanging their stories, and his happened to be uh, about Led Zeppelin. So, where is Eagle? Oh, Eagle, the, the monitor man? Yes. I don't know where Eagle is. I'm assuming he's going, what? Somewhere right now. He did monitors for Motorhead for 20 years and then Queens of the Stone Age? Yeah, yeah. And then I think, you know, with his last remaining hearing, he's just asking the question, what, to somebody somewhere. And winding up here, Josh, you are in Queens of the Stone Age. And tomorrow I'm interviewing a band called Ice Age. Ice Age. Any words for Ice Age at all? No, I mean, it sounds cool. Hathaway, the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, she lived in Palm Desert for a while, which made me think, what's... Really? Yes, in her later years. And I guess I was wondering, did you bump into any celebrities in Palm Desert? Because it is an interesting place where celebrities often retire to. Who else is from there? Uh, no one, really. I mean, Liberace, you know, lived out his days there, and he was fantastical. Okay, you can just stop right there. That's all you got to say. Yeah, I mean, anyone that has more than two capes, I'm in. I mean, if you just have to, well, then you're just a Halloweener. And we have a question, lastly, here for you, Josh Hom of Queens of the Stone Age. Hommy. Oh, after all these years, I'm sorry, Josh. That's okay. Josh It's okay, Nardware. Josh Hommy, what needs an answer, Josh? Uh, not much, man. I like, I like dropping questions in the middle of a room and leaving. What, what, in the... Yeah, I said it really silently. <laughs> oh, that, that needs an answer, yeah. Oh, and the, the answer is, once again, a question. What, what, in the butt? Josh, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Uh, no, I think really this time you've really covered it all. Well, thanks so much, Josh. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 Fucking A.
and you're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. That there was the Moving Sidewalks with 99th Floor. And before that, Queens of the Stone Age interviewed, namely Josh Hame. Coming up right now, I have a release that I got, and I don't quite know when I got it. It is entitled Yes, that's what it's called. One side to be listened to, one side to be danced to. Shh! An arrangement by Dore Modesti. And side two, Rock Drill Shake by Mario Pagano. Seven instruments in one rock drill. It's put out by this company, Atlas Copco. So it's actually a record given to employees to learn, memorize, and dance to. And we're going to hear both sides. So here's and the rock drill shake put out by the Atlas Copco Company on 45 on the Nardmore, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Please set the volume of your record player so that you can hear me a few feet away. Good. That's just right. Now let's listen to the ticking of a clock. One of those good old alarm clocks. Pretend it's at your bedside and you are listening to it in the still hours of early morning. Fine, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. And with that, you are hurled into the noisy day again. Violence to our ears, to our nerves. Today, every day. Where are the gentle sounds of nature? and the pleasant sounds that filled the peaceful hours of our forefathers. Today, even our leisure is filled with noise. It's like a drug. It gets a habit. While we accept this scourge of modern time, others, like the miners, are compelled to work in this. With the noise in their hands, perhaps four or eight hours at a stretch, under conditions that amplify it. These two rock drills were recorded three feet away. The first in a tunnel, the second above ground. A DC-8 starting 50 yards away produces a noise level of 120 decibels. But it passes. A conventional rock drill reaches 118 decibels and stays on. And it remains in the ears of many miners through the later years in the form of a fairly serious deafness. 
118 decibels. That's the risk threshold. Earplugs and ear mufflers, of course, help. However, they are not the complete solution. Copco has studied this problem for many years and by modifying some essential parts has reduced the noise level of rock drills. The impact noise produced by a rock drill accounts for about 10% of the total noise. Exhaust noise is about 90%. And it was here the researchers concentrated their attention, with the result that the noise level was reduced by 6 decibels. Not much at first glance, perhaps. Noise energy, however, has been cut by 75%, with only 5% loss in net penetration. While introducing you to the noise of a modified rock drill, we'll try to compare it with an unmodified one. Although we are aware that a difference of 6 decibels is not as perceptible on a record as in reality. A record has its limits, infidelity and volume. The full noise level produced by a rock drill cannot be recorded. For this comparison, we have used an unmodified rock drill type BBD-90 and a modified BBD-91, both working in a tunnel and at a distance of three feet from the mic. You will hear them each three times, starting with the unmodified one. This was not meant to be a demonstration, just an invitation to you to lend an ear to a quieter rock drill.
And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. That was The Rock Drill Shake by Mario Pagano. And before that, shh, all about rock drills, an arrangement by Dory Modesti from the shh put out by Atlas Copco. Coming up right now, something from the National Hardwood Floor Association, another company of sorts, except it's from 1992. One of the people involved in this was Joel from Punk Planet Magazine, rest in peace. And basically what it is is a whole bunch of political prank calls to Christian radio station KPDQ in Portland, Oregon. Here is the National Hardwood Floor Association featuring Joel from Punk Planet. Now, I have, fortunately, and not too often, I have been deceived here. We've had a couple crank calls, uh, one fairly recently, a week, week and a half ago, uh, which, you know, I was brought right into the, to the middle of it, and then the person... Let's talk about Jehovah's Witnesses. Hi, Fran. Hi there. My neighbor is a Jehovah's Witness, and I did not understand what it was until he came to my door. He had the papers in his hand, and he tried to give them to me. And what's so amazing is my neighbor is Michael Jackson. Oh. Who's one of the best-known Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, how long ago was this? This was perhaps a year and a half, perhaps more years ago, and he came right up. Oh, there's some traffic. I'm sorry. He came right up to my door, and he gave me a pamphlet, and it... It was upsetting because it had no relation to what I believe. Yes. And this is a superstar. This is a man who has tremendous influence over our youth. Now, uh, what state was this in? This was when I was living in Southern California. Yeah. Well, we have sent some information to Michael Jackson via uh, another, another person. And so he has received the information that we have, and we have we we understand that the Watchtower has um, uh, removed him from the rolls. Uh, I don't know if he's been reinstated or not. Maybe it was because of a string of uh, failed albums. <laughs> well, it, it indeed was because uh, part of the reason was because of that thriller thing. Oh yeah, he was. The occult uh, connection yes. there, yes. And, and the Watchtower yes. rightfully, rightfully uh, should disfellowship somebody for that. That's true. But oh, listen, uh, how much I appreciate you calling. Would you be willing to call the office sometime next week? I would like to get a little bit more information about that. We have had Michael Jackson on our prayer list for many, many months. I would. I would help in any way possible to eliminate the kind of, well, I guess you'd have to say scourge that he is bringing to us. Yes, yes. Well, you may not have a pen or a pencil there uh, where you are. Oh, I do. Oh. I always do. <laughs> All right, here's the number. Okay. 637-75. Say that again. 637-63. Six, yes. Uh... 
6578. 
Imagine your pain I know 